Well, good morning, church. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy to be with you and to, to be delivering the message today. Um, Laura uh, delivered a message for us last week, and she talked to us about controlling our thoughts. She said that we have uh, up to 10,000 thoughts a day. The average person has up to 10,000 thoughts a day. And she was helping us think about trying to get a control of those and thinking on things that are true and lovely and pure. And I've been thinking about that all this week, thinking that's hard work, right? But we, we got to do it because what we think will drip into our hearts and it will affect our actions. One of the reasons why this is so hard is because I read this study that said um, the average person is exposed to over 5,000 advertisements a day. 5,000 advertisements. There are a lot of things trying to capture our attention. And so I spent the last couple weeks thinking about some of the things that try to capture my attention. And I bet today, as y'all were driving in on 71, you saw one of them. Um, it's this really cool billboard for a neighborhood out here. And out on the billboard, it has these two people on paddle boards. And it says, welcome to the boardroom. A really clever sign, isn't it? But uh, it, that sign wants some of my thoughts. It wants me to think, huh, if I lived in that neighborhood, life could be pretty dang good. Um, something else that's captured my thoughts. I'm an NFL fan. I, I love the Chicago Bears, Bear Down. And uh, you, if you're like-minded like me, you know it's been free agency period. And the NFL is trying to capture my thoughts. I have this cool little app on my phone that curates all the movements of the players, who's signing where and for what, uh, what dollar amount. And so I can tell you about the second-string quarterback that just signed for the Tennessee Titans, and I get these little cool alerts on my phone. It, on free agency day, it was like one every ten minutes. So the NFL wants my thoughts, too. And you know who else wants my thoughts is Facebook. I've got this friend. Um, actually, I don't know if we're friends. I'm like 65% sure that we went to high school together, but I'm not 100% sure. So my friend, she posted this really cool article. It said, um, the top 20 things that the best bosses do every day. And out of the goodness of their blue corporate heart, Facebook decided to notify me that this article was posted. I mean, I, I want to be the best boss, and I probably ought to read this article. Facebook wants my attention. And it's not just advertisements. It's not just our phones. It's a lot of things. Um, we have spouses and we have kids and we have soccer games and we have church committees and we have am i stressing y'all out i'm feeling a little stressed myself i've got this email in my phone right now from my oldest daughter's young life leader and it's a sweet thing she wants me to um she wants me to come to a camp this summer and i really need to reply to this email but before i can reply to it i've got to sit down and plot out my entire summer I gotta figure out if we got enough money to send her to this camp. I gotta figure out if all the weeks are gonna line up. I'm probably gonna snooze that email again tomorrow morning. And I'm leaving on a business trip tomorrow night. And when I land, I'm gonna have to, have to meet with this leader. And my job is to convince her to hire another consultant. And at some point, I've gotta figure out how I'm gonna position that to her so that she says yes. There's a lot of things that try to capture our attention. And in my, in my bad moments, I can start to lose my cool and get overwhelmed with everything that's happening. Um, I don't know if y'all have a story about your parent getting freaked out for no good reason. I've got a story about my parent getting uh, freaked out for no good reason. My dad, he, had, he was a quiet guy, a good man, uh, didn't get angry a lot, but... <laughs> 
But my dad had this pet peeve about us putting uh, the – we always had tea in the house in a pitcher. And one of us would always finish up the tea and then put the pitcher back empty. This used to drive my dad crazy. And it must have been a particularly stressful day. He must have had a lot on his mind because we heard him come through. I think we were in the other room watching Wheel of Fortune. Vanna was turning those letters. And, and we hear my dad open the fridge, and then we hear – Curse word, tea pitcher! And he, the pitcher pitcher goes flying over our heads and crashes into the wall. And I thought, surely I've never done anything like that. But then my oldest daughter, she reminded me, Dad, remember that time I rolled my eyes when you asked me to do the dishes and you broke the wooden spoon? (laughs) Right. So (laughs) that's at my worst. At my best, when I get overwhelmed, I'll still zone out. Um, My girls will tell you that sometimes I get zoned out and I don't even hear what's going on around me. And they'll have to use my first name to get my attention. They'll go, Dad, 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 Trent. And then I I snap out of it. But that's at my best. Um, And this is the part of the Palm Sunday story I want us to think about. Um, Because in the account of Palm Sunday and Jesus riding into Jerusalem and John, we get this really interesting contrast of a people pushing into the road to see Christ and then the Pharisees standing in the back. And while the crowd is energized, while the crowd is feeling the the impact of this moment, the Pharisees miss it. And I'm going to read for you out of uh, John 12 if the son will cooperate with me. And this is going to be verse uh, 12 through 19. It's called the triumphal entry. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written. And I'm going to skip to verse 17 here. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And I don't know about you, but I can hear the frustration in the Pharisees' voices in that verse. Um, Have y'all ever gotten in a fight with your spouse and they go, you always do whatever it is that you do, Bertina. You always do it. They're saying, look at the whole world goes after this man. If they had a tea pitcher or a wooden spoon, I'm sure they would have thrown it or broken it or something. But um, let me back up for a minute and say... How many of you know that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was not riding in on Palm Sunday? How many know that? He was riding in on Passover, right? Passover was, and still is, a really big deal in Jerusalem. Um, It requires a lot of planning. It requires a lot of preparation. Here's just one small example. There's a tradition called Pesach. And what that means is if you're a Jewish person living in Jerusalem, you've got to rid your house of all leavened bread. And not just the bread, you've got to throw it out. And picture Jewish people vacuuming under couch cushions, trying to get every last little bit of crumb, a lot of work. But not only do you have to get rid of all the leavened bread, you've got to get rid of all your utensils, all the cookware that you used uh, in order to prepare that leavened bread. 
So they would either have to sell it and rebuy it, throw it away and buy new, or sell it to uh, non-Jewish people so they could buy it back from them later. A lot of work. And so not just the traditions created a lot of work, but there was a lot of people coming to the city. Um, in Jesus' time in Jerusalem, the population was about twenty to 30,000 people. And during the Passover celebration, that would swell to six or seven times. So imagine Jerusalem with over 150,000 people in it. Imagine Austin during South by Southwest. Yeah. And I haven't been down there at all. Stay in the Galleria. And uh, so every, imagine every room, every inn is filled. Imagine every spare room is rented. Imagine people crowding the streets. Imagine there being tents set up outside the city all the way up into the mountains. It was packed. There was an energy around it. So these Pharisees are right in the middle of this space. And there's also, I want you to imagine what their hearts may have been feeling. I've said to you that Passover was a really big deal. And uh, the reason why Passover was such a big deal is they're marking this moment where God rescues these people out of slavery he takes them to a promised land and establishes a new covenant with his chosen people. And this is like for them, Thanksgiving Day and a family reunion and the 4th of July all wrapped up into one. So this is where the Pharisees' heart is as Jesus is riding in uh, to Jerusalem. Now I want you to imagine what the Pharisees are seeing as they, as they see Jesus come in. They're, they're seeing a crowd frenzied. They're seeing people literally ripping branches from trees so that they can wave it at this man who calls himself the king. They might be hearing whispers in the crowd. Did you hear about how he healed that one guy of leprosy? Did you hear what he said about the new kingdom? Did you hear he raised a man from the dead? And the crowd just keeps pushing in and pushing in, getting closer with energy. The crowd feels the moment, but the Pharisees, they missed it. I want to read 19 to you one more time. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. The whole world goes after him. You know, there's a lot of things that capture our attention. And I miss too many moments. And I think it's poetic that Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday fall in the middle of spring. Yes, it's the season of new life. Everything's growing. Yes, the blue bonnets are out. Yes, the birds are singing. But you know what? It's also soccer season and softball season and business conference season and it's tax season. There was a, a moment um, a couple weeks back where it wasn't an extraordinary day, but it was a busy day. One of those busy ones that you'll have. And I had just gotten done taking Ella to soccer practice, and I'm sitting on the couch because I forgot to pay a bill. And um, so I'm on my phone trying to get that. And then I'm on my way back out the door to pick up our other daughter. And in the middle of this, Mitzi goes, what are we having for dinner? And uh, so I'm looking at a thing to see what we've got or if I've got to pick something up. And then all in the middle of this storm, my sweet little Ella, who's eight years old, is trying to tell me about something that happened at school. Um, Ella's one of the top readers in her class. And the spelling words have gotten to be too easy. And so the teacher gave her these special spelling words to, to give. And she was wanting to tell Dad about it. And in the moment, I kind of yeah, yeah, yeah at her. And said, oh, that's great, honey. But it wasn't until later as I was driving to pick up my other daughter 
that I realized that she was really proud of herself. And I missed that moment. And what I wished I would have done is that I would have gotten down and looked at her in the eyes and told her how much I loved her, how much I was proud of her. But I missed it. And I don't think Ella's going to hate me because of that, but she's important to me. And so if I miss too many of those moments, over time it'll damage the relationship. And one day she's going to get a promotion at work. One day she's going to meet the man of her dreams. And I want to be her first call. I want her to call her dad. I don't want to miss those moments. And I'm trying to get your attention right now. Because there's a lot of things that try to capture our attention. And I hopefully told you a funny story and I'm showing you some raw parts of my heart. And the reason I'm doing that is not because I want to entertain you. The reason I'm doing that is I want to draw you into the crowd. I don't want you to miss this moment. I remember the moment I found Bee Creek. Do you all remember the moment you found Bee Creek? Amen. I remember I walked in the lobby and there were some friendly people shaking my hand and looking me in the eye and making me feel welcome. I remember sitting towards the back and seeing men, good men of the Lord with their arms around their wives. And I remember hearing music that brought me to tears. I remember Laura with children all around her. Those kids learning simple truths about life. Simple truths about Jesus. And I remember hearing Laura speak and feeling like she was talking from the soles of her shoes. I heard authenticity in what she was saying. I heard the word of God. And I'm glad I didn't miss that moment. I look around at y'all's faces and I see friends who have honored me with their love and people that I'm honored to love on them. I'm so glad to be part of this family. And I'm so glad I didn't miss that moment. There's one last thing I don't want us to miss about this Palm Sunday story. And it's the way that Jesus arrived into Jerusalem. First, I want you to picture a king. Picture a king with lots of armor and gold on a big old stallion trotting into Jerusalem. And then I want you to picture Jesus on a donkey. No armor, no gold, no pomp and circumstance. And you know what they did? They didn't have a saddle, so they just threw whatever they had on onto that donkey, and Jesus sat on robes and garments. But you know what? Jesus had everything he needed for that moment. And the crowd pressed in to try to get a glimpse. He's the Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. Oh, God, we love you so much. God, we don't want to miss this moment. We've heard about what you've done. We've heard about what you are doing in this community and communities all over. God, our prayer today is that as we sing, even if our voice is terrible, let us sing a little louder. Even if our handshake feels a weak, let us shake a little firmer. 
Let us hug our kids a little tighter, laugh a little louder. God, we don't want to miss this moment. Thank you for this beautiful place, this beautiful day, this magical place called Angels. Thank you for this family.